Yes, that's right, everybody. Talking with T-Bird is back. I am Rob Sestrino. Very excited to be uh, back on the line with a woman who uh, tracked down some of the titans of Survivor Palau for this uh, special encore performance of the Palau box set here today. It's Teresa T-Bird Cooper. T-Bird, how are you? Rob, that ding was for you. I've missed you. We haven't talked that much. I am doing great, and I'm so happy to be here with you today talking about one of the greatest seasons, Palau, and some these awesome, awesome players. So how are you? Yes, I am good. Let me just uh, let the listeners know exactly what's going on here first, and I'll talk all about how I am uh, 18th best season of Survivor this week on the Top 40 Countdown, Survivor Palau, uh, T-Bird, and I last summer did interviews with Tom Westman, with Ian Rosenberger, with Katie Gallagher, and uh, we also at one point talked to Stephanie Lagrosa. And they were such great interviews. I call them the Palau trilogy. T Bird always stops me and says, "Ah, oh, don't forget we talked to Stephanie." Uh, but we had three uh, incredible Palau-based interviews last summer, and it's Palau week. And we wanted to share some of the highlights from those interviews, T-Bird. Yeah, and I'm all for the interviews that we got, Rob, were such strong, powerful interviews. They're such incredible people, and they've gone in different directions in their life. But I love this season for so many reasons. I think, didn't uh, Prope say this is one of his favorite seasons and one of his favorite winners? And I can certainly, absolutely see why. Yeah, well, I very much agreed with uh the praise for palau after going back and watching it this week and, and i really loved all of those palau interviews that we did uh last summer because it's such an interesting season based on how everybody was on Kar- Karor just dominated the whole way through but because of that you had a cast that was uh incredibly tight uh especially on the Karor side because they spent you know, 33, 36, 38, you know, they they just were together the entire time as one group. And so they've made like these lifelong bonds and you really comes across uh, in all these interviews. Yeah. And so I've got to tell you, I've I've not completed listening to my recap with you and Chantel and Lita, but I'm really enjoying listening to that. Um, and I love that Lita, Lita has watched this season 12 times in her favorite season. Yeah. And I can certainly see, yeah, I can certainly see why it is. So Lita said she was five years old 
when she started watching Survivor, which is the age of my daughter, Ellie, was five also uh, when mm-hmm. I played. So it's yeah. so neat to see that everybody that's grown up and how they're getting into these older classic seasons. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying the recap. So thank you so much for that, Chantel and Lita. Yeah, oh, well, and Rob. And Rob. Yes, thank you, T-Bird. Well, that's the nice thing about when you watch Survivor as a kid. You get to watch Survivor as a kid. And then one day... If you keep watching Survivor, you get to be older than every single person that's on the show when you keep watching it. That's right. That's a good Eventually, point. I'll be like, wow, like, I can't believe it. I- I'm the same age as Rudy when he <laughs> is playing. I- when I watched it, I was I was 21. But now I'm the same right. age as Rudy watching Survivor Borneo. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. But so, fun. But very yeah. fun. And you know what? And so looking back at Palau... You know, if it, let me ask you, Rob, if you could say pick one word that kind of summarizes Palau for you, what would it be? Domination. Okay, domination. So I think my word's going to be domination. 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 Not an abomination. Domination. <laughs> yes. Do- yes. Domination. That's okay. what I said the whole okay. time. Yes. Okay. 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 Hey, you know, I'm. We're. Wait. This shouldn't be a problem now because you're down here in the south with me. I should be able to hear completely what you're saying since you're so close yes. to me now, right? Yes. Okay. That's right. So I'm going to say, Rob. I think for me, heartwarming is that one word or is that two words? I don't even know. But I'm going to say it's hyphenated. Because, okay. Let's go with. I'm going to go with a hyphenated word, heartwarming, because. Rob, it was it kind of reminds me of the three players if on Africa, if Ethan, Big Tom, and Lex had gone to the final three, like Katie, Ian, and Tom did, you know, three people that started off from the very, very beginning mm-hmm. being loyal to each other and taking it to the very end, that in itself is so exciting. And and, and take out that that Palau, what they never had a merge, right? We right. had we saw the most people to ever start the game start the game, losing his tribe ever a tribal one. I mean, there's so many exciting things in Palau, and and, and finishing up with the longest immunity tribal uh, immunity challenge ever. I mean, it's just for me very exciting from start to finish. Probably not quite so exciting for uh, Wanda and Jonathan, who unfortunately we've never seen back. Um, Very sad. That could change. But yeah, but what I, I love the season from start to finish. Great yeah. season. So Lita, I'm with you, Lita. I'm with you. Okay. All right. Well, we've got a lot of great clips for you here in this uh, special presentation. I've been calling it the Palau box set. Do you like that? I like that. Or, and you yeah. said trilogy. Could it be box the Palau box set trilogy? Would that make sense? Yes. You could call okay. it the box, the, the trilogy box set. Okay, box set Let's trilogy sounds like we're going to put out three of these. Oh, okay, so this is the Palau trilogy box set. Yes, I like yes. it. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I like All right. it. Well, we are going to bring you a little bit of our conversation with uh, Tom Westman uh, first, but before we get to that, let me take a moment and thank our sponsor for the Palau trilogy box set podcast and those are our friends over at hyundai makers of the hyundai tucson 
where they question everything to create the best Tucson ever. Like, is it the Palau Trilogy box set or is it the Palau box set trilogy? Because that's the kind of stuff you got to think about when you rethink everything. Every inch of the new Tucson has been completely reimagined, T-Bird, and it has resulted in an SUV that is loaded with available innovations, both inside and out. Innovation so good, you'll want to slap your mama, T-Bird. How about that? You like that I brought that back? Oh my gosh, so that's so funny, Rob. So I was wondering if Dominic and Anthony have used that expression yet no. since y'all have been living in the South now. No, not yet. Not yet. Uh, not from yet. design to not technology yet. to safety, every aspect of the new Tucson has been improved upon. The SUV has been completely redesigned inside and out to create that best Tucson ever with innovations like a digital key that allows you to use your phone as a spare key. How about that? Uh, in some, you can say, "Hey, I'm using my key as my phone." Uh, you got a user profile for a ten and a quarter inch full touch infotainment screen and LED daytime running lights, which are stylishly hidden within the front grille, making them invisible when not in use. Uh, that's exactly the kind of stuff that's going on with the all-new Hyundai Tucson, plus plenty of cargo space for everything. So what are you waiting for? Learn more at Hyundai.com. All right, T-Bird, are you ready to get into our interview with Tom Westman? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. And so, Rob, I have to tell you this. You know, when people ask who's the best, their, your favorite winner, the best winner, however it's asked, you know, I've got a couple that are right up there, but I always, always finish or, or say Tom Westman. Yeah. I mean, he is, I mean, for him to go all the way to the end, being a top challenge threat from the very beginning. And, you know, back then, top challenge threats never usually went past the merge. So, I mean, his leadership, his survival, his social skills, they still kept him in and he took it all the way to the end and what no votes against him the entire game. So, yes, I'm all about Tom Westman. Let's hear some clips from Tom. Okay, it was on June 6, 2020. I believe this was the season premiere of uh, season two of Talking with T-Bird. We're still in that, right? Yes. Longest season ever. It's gone on. Yeah. Never ending. Longest season ever. We'll talk to every (laughs) survivor by the end of season two of Talking with T-Bird. But we kicked it all off back on (laughs) June 6, 2020. This is a, uh, a rather long clip with Tom, so much uh, great stuff talking about uh, the, his thoughts on the season, his uh, b- amazing negotiating tactics in the uh, final tribal council, uh, his relationship with uh, so many of the players out there. Uh, so much great stuff that you're about to hear from Tom Westman. And then after this, we'll come back and talk about it and uh, set up our conversation with Ian. But first, here's Tom Westman. Tom, I would love to uh, start to talk a little bit about Palau because it's such an iconic season of the show. Mm-hmm. And there were, you know, so many moments uh, from that show with uh, the just the total dominance of the uh, Karor tribe dominating Oolong over that the course of that season and, uh, and, and so many great characters. Uh, does Is there any sort of pride for you in terms of just uh, that Karor is thought of as the, the greatest tribe that was ever assembled? 
Yeah, I, there's pride in that. Um, I, I think the whole season was great. You know, I, I know fans all have their favorites, and they. Uh, I thought that the challenges were unbelievable. I, you know, thinking back on uh, John Kirhoffer, as many know, is the challenge director, and yes. he kind of. He's the wizard who comes up with the toys for us all to play on. And uh, I think, you know, something I heard was that he had so many great ideas, but never had that clear water that we had in Micronesia um, to do them on. So that one was just so many challenges after challenge was in the water, underwater with cameras pulling, you know, trunks across the bottom, building erector sets. To, it was, we were wet a lot. <laughs> so, uh, so I think it was, probably the most beautiful i know it's been used the location's been used a few times for different seasons uh i don't i don't think i've seen anything as beautiful as uh those beaches in palau um so yeah and, and it was pride uh it really it was such a crazy lopsided team i mean you could see so 20 people get cast 10 people are the characters we are the uh, you know, the dad, the mom, the hairdresser, the, you know, the attorney. So, and then the other 10 were the eye candy. They really were the beautiful young kids. And, uh, you, we actually called them the Abercrombie and Fitch tribe. Uh, but when we did a schoolyard pick them where normally you would have dispersed that talent and that strength and that youth between the two tribes, we all picked the people who were most like ourselves. So, uh, you know, Ian chose Katie, uh, Katie chose me. I chose Janu, um, you know, wanting somebody who's closer to my age. And, uh, so we all ended up being much weaker and much older than the other tribe. So I'm sure the production was like, Oh my God, this is going to be a disaster. It's going to be a blowout. And then it happened the other way, which was crazy, but it was just, it was older, wiser people taking their time, thinking things through, and um, and just you know keeping our stuff together. Uh, so so it was. It's improbable to have ever happened with two tribes. It was even more improbable for it to happen with the tribe that did that schoolyard pick them, mm-hmm. and we ended up against a bunch of young kids. Uh, but then you know just kind of made better decisions than they were making. And you even aligned on the first night before the schoolyard pick with Ian and Katie, right? And Stephanie, too, as well, right? Yep. Yeah, it was kind of uh, Ian and I, it was, you know, just a couple of looks. We, we actually, you know, as we were heading in the boat to the beach, we were kind of giving each other a look like, you know, I think at one point I put two fingers on my chest and interlocked them and gave him a quizzical look. And he looked around the boat looked back at me and gave me a nod like, yeah. And then when we got to the beach, we kind of avoided each other. We didn't even, it was almost like, all right, you know, this this guy, I saw a flicker of intelligence behind his eyes and he looks like he wants to talk too. So we got to meet a bunch of other people and then went over and, and said, all right, you know, you and I, and then he's like, listen, I'm, you know, Katie, I've been talking to her. And I said, I've been talking to Stephanie and I said, all right, let's, We'll start with that as the fourth. So, um, so it was really early. It is, uh, you know, I mean, you talk about corporate America and being able to pick your team and recognize the people who are going to work well with you. This was uh, a really good example of just recognizing who you wanted to go for the next 39 days with. So 
Um, so yeah, it worked out. Tom, can you talk a little bit about what it was like when they first marooned you guys on that beach and basically you guys were, you know, thrown off of the boat and uh, or, or paddle or paddling off uh, to your beach. And then you didn't we weren't given teams until uh, the next day. So what, what was the prevailing thought that was uh, being talked about among the 20 people that were out there on the beach that first day? Uh, you know, that, that was a great technique by production just to keep us unbalanced. You know, everyone's assuming, you know, how can we don't have different buffs? How can we don't have buffs? How come, you know, so uh, maybe it's going to be an individual game from the very beginning. So it, it was, uh, that was kind of cool that nobody knew what was happening. So we built a very large shelter and everybody got in it that night and you're kind of getting to know people. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, just, just another one of those curveballs, and I mean, now the game has so many multiple curveballs. You know, mm-hmm. back then that, that was kind of unique. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's like it's crazy. Do you like all the curveballs now? All the twists, the immunity idols, the idol nullifiers, the fire tokens, the edge of extinction. How do you feel about how about there's so many now? How do you, you feel know, about it? Uh, so all the changes now, as a viewer. I think things would have gotten stale and everybody would have known the formula and it wouldn't have been as interesting uh, if, if they hadn't thrown all this in. I'm happy to have played in the old school days. Um, I do believe that it was about building a social fabric out there. Uh, I don't think that that exists anymore. I think that, you know, you're only as good as your last boat. Um, so there was a lot of talking. I think that we got to know each other very well trust each other uh so i I kind of people always say well it's also contrived the whole thing and i'm like you know it's it's not too far different from what we do in our normal life we surround ourselves with people who support us people who have the same goals as we do um you know they trust you you trust them so uh right now it is it's, it's a it's a kind of a wacky you know, sometimes I, I think these people don't even spend time in the camp talking about their childhood or about their children or their families or their thoughts on things. It seems like everybody's out scavenging. So it's kind of like an Easter egg hunt in some ways. So, uh, but I also, I, I get it. I, I, you know, if they just kept doing the same thing, I don't think we would have been at season 40. So, um, so it's working. Yeah, it's a good point that you make because that in your season, I mean, basically you spent the entire game with the people that you were with uh, between no tribe swap. Ultimately, you're with this group from day two all the way until when each of these people ends up getting uh, voted out. Did that make it? I guess uh, you, you don't have an experience to compare it to, but I'm sure that must have been, uh, you know, incredibly difficult as we saw Ian really struggling with uh, which way he wanted to go at the end of the game that you're with these people for mm-hmm. 38, 39 days. Yeah. Uh, so I don't see that emotion anymore. It, it really was. Uh, I mean, it, it was, I laughed back, laughed looking back because everybody was so focused on, Jen and Greg as a power couple mm-hmm. and they didn't realize just because it was two heterosexual men that the real power couple and the real relationship was Tom and Ian. So it was, we were almost able to hide behind, 
you know, their lovey-dovey act. But if, if there were two people who were, you know, joined at the hip and, uh, it was Ian and I. Yeah. So, um, so that, that was, you know, it's because it wasn't a romantic relationship. Nobody saw it, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny. Um, yeah. but we were able to, to work together like that. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it just it, it really the, the friendships were deep. Uh, the trust was built. It was. It was why you know at the end when things get nasty, why it did hurt so much on both sides. It's uh, you know it was, and, and people I think folks watch the show at home and they're like, what you know what the hell was a person thinking that like they just they lost something at the end and they, but you really are starting to lose it. It's. You know, mm-hmm. you are, uh, you're under duress, you're not fed, you're, you're, you know, you've been sleeping out when it rains, you're soaking wet. It's, so you start breaking down a little mentally and then you're, you're missing home and you've got rampant paranoia because you know that everybody's trying to, now you're starting, you get down to like the final 10, you start thinking that of that money as your kid's money. <laughs> These people are trying right. to take my kid's money. So so I think that that, uh, you know, people do come unglued. I, I think being older helped me. I think that the, as we got deeper into those towards the end and people coming a little undone, I think that I was able to bear down and just be like, all right, like this is actually, this is opportunity. People are, are struggling right now. Do you think that's why Ian decided to come down just the, the mental and emotional stress? If he was thinking clearly day one or two, would he have would he have come down? In your opinion, you know, uh, Ian will argue that <laughs> he'll argue that it wasn't. I, I think that I had him beat, um, and I think that he knew that the jury I would win against him in the jury. That's why I I was telling him our our agreement from day two was I said to him, you know, we've been talking about you and I to the end. And I said, listen, I'm never going to lie to you. So I'll tell you right now, I'm not taking you to the end. I said, it's you and I to the end. And when it takes, you know, final three and whoever wins that battle takes Katie to the jury. So that was our deal. That's what we, uh, we agreed we do. And eventually it's what happened. Um, but when we were hours and hours into that final challenge, I did, I said to him, listen, jump down and uh, I'll take you and we'll let the jury decide this. But I think at that point, he knew that the jury wasn't going to give him the vote. He kind of early on, he would have gotten the vote over me. Um, he very effectively hung the stink of every vote out on me, which we were, I, I would laugh with him. I'm like, I know what you're doing. Stop. So he would just say, he'd go to people and tell them, you know, hey, nothing I could do here. Uh, Tom says it's you. Mm-hmm. So he was already building uh, favor on the jury. Uh, but then in those last couple of days, he got caught in a couple of lies and, you know, kind of came undone a little bit. So yeah. so I was confident enough that I would have won a jury vote. And I was like, if you jump down. But if I had fallen off and he took Katie, you know, I knew I was out. So uh, there was... Actually, an interesting story at 10 and 10 hours into that thing. So they weren't ready. They had no idea. They thought this thing was going to be over in three or four hours. Um, there was a point where Jeff said to me, how long do you think this is going to go? And I said, a lot longer than you. And he, he was like, 
uh, you don't know what we expect. And I'm like, I know you're not set up for a night shot. And he was kind of like, looking wow. like, really? And he goes, you think this is going till dark? So maybe it started around noon or one in the afternoon, I think. And I said to him, I said, I think this is going to go to dark. And I said, and then I think it's going to go to light. And I said, I think sometime around dawn tomorrow, either Ian and I are going to pass out. And that's when we decided. So that wasn't what they were ready for or wanted. Uh, they did all of a sudden, the, you know, guys from production started setting up the flaming barrels and getting ready for a night shot. Mm -hmm. It did go into the night. And at 10 hours, uh, they said, all right, you're going to switch at 10 and a half hours, a half hour from then we're going to switch to one foot. So we spent the next 25 minutes or so figuring out which foot I wanted to support myself on. And then I just decided I'm not doing it. And I told them, I said, Jeff, I'm not, I'm not going to one foot. So that led into a big argument. And I said, you know, whoever's here from CBS and representing the show legally, I said, these were the rules you set. This is the way I've played it for 10 hours. He said, you can't change the rules at this point. And Ian just wanted it over. So he started harassing me and saying, let's go final battle, you and I. And, you know, I told Jeff, I was like, oh, my foot could accidentally hit the pole and I lose a million dollars. I said, so I said, I'm sticking with it the way you said this game was to be played. And Jeff did tell me later on, he said, it was a million dollar argument you made, but they weren't happy with me. Nobody on the barge filming. Yeah. Or observing was happy with me. I've never heard but, of anything like this before, Tom. Yeah. 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 It was a yeah. pretty crazy thing. So, Tom, how much longer do you think you could have stayed up there if Ian, you and Ian hadn't made your deal? Oh, T Bird, I'd still be up there. Yeah. <laughs> 15 years later, I'd still be on the pole. Uh, you know what? I, I, okay. That's so funny. I was yeah. as bad, as painful as it was, uh, I think. <laughs> You know, uh, having three young kids at home yeah. and, you know, just, you know, the fireman's hour and the whole thing. It was, uh, I don't think that I could have been beaten there. Um, so, um, yeah, so it, it, it was a great resolution, um, you know, uh, for me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Ian, he, he, did what he wanted to do. And, and he is, I mean, he's one of the most incredible guys I know. He, he is so honorable. He is, he is really that good. Um, he didn't like the way things were ending for him. Um, mm -hmm. with, you know, so it was, uh, yeah, it was a pretty dramatic season, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, just the way that the Ian thing was framed, the, the way that you're talking about it, where that he felt like that he wasn't going to be able to beat you in the final two. It gets talked about like, oh, Ian, you know, gave up a million dollars. But do you think that he realized that I'm not going to be able to beat Tom in the challenge? I'm not going to be able to beat Tom in front of the jury. And so that maybe as like one sort of like make good to Katie, who that they had had uh their whole drama about where she was upset with him and felt betrayed by him that was that sort of like uh his way of trying to like uh at least throw katie a bone there at the end of the game yeah so i mean there's not there's not that much difference between second and third place financially so uh so there could be that but uh, has ian done this podcast yet no, no. <laughs> you could, you'll have to ask him uh you know 
he, I, I do believe it was sincere. I do believe that, you know, he was like, this isn't, you know, as he said, I think this isn't what I came out here to be the villain on, on this game show. So, um, so I think it was, it was him. And, and you know, it was at the end of the day, it was, uh, he, I'm sure as you know, he's a 40 year old man. Now he's looking back, probably going, oh man, and I let this older guy get in my head. Um, and there was, there was gameplay with that at the end too. It was, you know, it was, I, it's hard to remember where your mindset was because then you watch it and you see what the edit was. So, um, I, once I realized that Ian was playing me and then that came out because he was, you know, he said, if Tom wins tonight, he's still my best friend. And if he loses, he goes home. I think that when it was clear to me that I was upholding our end of the deal and mm-hmm. I was still only there because I had won the challenge, I think I, I thought I was going to lose the game and come back looking like a fool and have to face the guys in the firehouse that the 21-year-old kid played me and, and I fell for it. So so there was anger on my part. Um, I mean, I, I haven't watched in a long time. I don't like the way I come off sanctimonious like, oh, Ian, regain my tree you know it's uh, i don't know it it all got a little sideways and shakespearean at the end um i certainly i don't think he was evil even if he was plotting against me it's what the game is it's you know uh i I think me mentally breaking him down was part of the game too that's part of the outwit and so uh, at the end you're kind of you worried about your edit and looking like you know like oh my god i'm twice this guy's age and and i got played um, so yeah, I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a, a lot of talk saying nothing, I guess. Tom, we talked to Stephanie LaGrossa Kendrick, our season okay, one. Yeah, yeah. And yep. we were talking about the, ch- yeah, and I know you guys are good friends. You referenced her early, you know, when we started talking. Yeah. However, I wanted to tell you this. She, we were talking about the challenge that you and Ian were doing, and she said she could have taken you on that. And do you remember, Rob, what she said? She said she could have at least, at least gone 16 hours. So could you have, yeah, could I don't you have done that? It. I know you um, said you'd still be up there. So I guess that's a yes. So that's that challenge. Well, they tried that thing out. And because of how painful it was to be, you know, how long can you be in a catcher's crouch? But if you stood up, your central gravity took you so far out that it was all on your arms. And so your arms would reach exhaustion and then you'd go into the catcher's crouch just to get the buoy up straight. And then, you know, the burning in your legs would start. So it was, it really um, was like a little torture session uh, for 12 hours. But I've always said that had it been Stephanie, had it been Jen Lyon, had it been, um, you know, some of the smaller, person who didn't have that higher center of gravity um it would have been that much more difficult and, and i'll to be fair to ian i think that i even had an advantage over him um i've got a size 11 foot he's got a size 14 foot on the same size ring he's <laughs> a foot or so taller than me more than that um so he he was dealing with a higher center of gravity um so so that I do think that the nightmare would have been up against, you know, a tenacious, smaller woman who really could have just stood on the ring 
where their feet fit a lot better than mine or Ian's did. And uh, they, they it wouldn't have leaned the buoy out as far as it did when Ian or I stood up. So it would have, uh, it, that really would have been a nightmare to be going up. And then to Katie's credit, uh, they didn't think it could go past three or four hours. I think Katie was still up there five and a half. And, um, you know, I don't blame her. She knew she was going to the final to the vote anyway. So I don't, you know, but she was, that was tough. It was, you know, she hung in there too. So, yeah, so I wouldn't have wanted to have been up there with Steph, Jen, um, some of the other people. Tom, one of the things I think that was really interesting uh, about your game was that you basically led this uh, Karor tribe to all of these victories. But then you were in this position where you were so out in front, you were so much of a threat that you knew that all of these people on your tribe were looking at you as, okay, okay, well, we have to get Tom out now because he's uh, so much of the leader that if we want to win the game, we have to uh, get him out of the game. And you actually, you spoke to the group about this, about like, hey, like, uh, you know, I really would, I helped get you here. Don't turn around and screw me over now. And I just think that that's uh, an interesting discussion. Yeah, that, was, <laughs> that was kind of embarrassing and desperate. But, uh, you know, I kind of was like, oh, my God, now, now they're going to get rid of me. Um, so I, I did try to say, hey, I just want to remind you. You know that the the challenge hog never wins these things, and Katie accurately said, "Yeah, because we vote you out." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that was like I don't know. That was just a little desperation in me getting totally paranoid and hoping that I could. Uh, but a good friend of mine, uh, because I had uh, that that final group has been out to my home a few times, and a friend once said to them, "Like, oh my god, what were you thinking? Like, you know, like as a fan, like." Of course, his friend likes me, so they were happy they didn't. But they were like, why didn't you? Why you had an opportunity twice, maybe, and you didn't? And the group kind of said, we always thought that we had more time. And so there was a... uh, We were having a lot of fun. We really liked each other. Uh, I was providing food for them. And it kind of... I think that they were all afraid of, you know, pissing off dad. (laughs) So kind of like you didn't... You just didn't want to to do it, so they were like, "Well, we got time, we got time," and then they didn't. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tom, on your first, the very first immunity challenge that you won, of course, you won quite a few. I think I remember that a lot of the others dropped out for food, and we saw that at Winners at War when we saw them dropping. You know, all these winners that were coming down for food, yeah. up, you know, playing for more than a million. Um, playing for two million. So I'm, I'm curious if you would have ever thought about coming down for food. Cause I can tell you when Kim Spradlin came down, I was shocked. Yeah. Um, that wouldn't have happened. Uh, so the other the story behind that also was we had had the visit from the two plowing mm-hmm. fishermen and they had brought some rum with them. Yes. And I had to, you know, so. I drank like I would drink at home, but mm-hmm. at 160 pounds instead of 190 that I was at the time um, and dehydrated, it went right to my head. So waking up in the morning, I'm like, oh shit! Uh, I kind of, I think I was a little worried even with the kids. You know, they were going to see dad. You know, have a bad night, so they needed to see have a good night. So I told everybody on the tribe, 
nobody's beating me at this. I'm, you know, I'm saying out there, I'm going to win. If there's food, get your food. But, uh, so I, I wasn't in danger. I didn't need to, I knew that they were not looking to get rid of me at that point. Um, so, but th- I think that's why it didn't go 12 hours with some of those, you know, that's why even, and then Stephanie had joined us. Yes. So for pizza, she's, you know, she's so fierce a competitor, but I think that she needed to also, she knew that her fate was kind of in our hands and by capitulating and saying, all right, you know, you, you need to win this one. I'll let you win. Um, so she she decided it was a smarter, and it was. I mean, if she had stayed up there, you know, and said, "No, I'm going to take this from you," then it would have been like, "All right, we're not on the same team, or we're not." So, so I think that's what happened there. I think that uh, I was just determined that I was going to win that one. But it is crazy that you know somebody jumped down for a couple of donuts um, and a million dollar opportunity was at stake. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and also, they were crazy in the fact that uh, four of them or so jumped in for 14 cookies. Like, maybe if one person jumped in and at least got <laughs> to share a plate of cookies, yeah. it would seem like you'd wait a little longer. Um, so I forget who made it, who the last two were, um, but they did. They split a full pizza with all the toppings. That, that at least seemed worthwhile. So one of the best things I think you did was uh, the way that you cultivated a relationship with Karen, which I think was really something that saved your game when uh, the group of uh, Greg and Jan and Katie were starting to come for you. You were able to uh, pick up Karen and get get her to be somebody who was reporting back to you, even though it probably wasn't in her best interest. Did, did you yep. have that in mind uh, for a while, or was that something that just came yeah, to you? Yeah, I, I did. Uh, you know, I was looking at her as a jury vote. I was looking at her as somebody who would give me a heads up when there was trouble. Uh, a lot of people, when they're not in the numbers, they act against their own best interests. You know, so uh, like Karen, she'd get all nervous, like, and she's like, "Who is it?" And I'm like, "I'm working on it." And she's like, "Why is it me?" And I'm like, "They're talking about you right now, but there's no way you do too much around here." And then, and when I come back and I tell her uh, we're voting for Kobe. Um, then she's willingly voting out the only shot that she's got, uh, like of, of you know other people who aren't in the alliance. She's just happy, and, and I think that's what a lot of people play the game foolishly is that they're playing for that vote that night and just to get into the next day. And you really have to be willing to play the game a little risky to get to the end and get the money. And um, so, Karen. Knew and I did. I saved her in a couple of votes, but I also knew that I was incurring her favor by doing it. And I knew I'd need her as a jury vote or as somebody to, you know, help me out and let me know if something was coming up that I didn't see. So, mm-hmm. Tom, did you and Ian? I had I did a little bit of research on you before mm-hmm. we started this, and there was a rumor that uh, you that you and Ian had tried to throw the last two challenges to get rid of Kobe. True or false? No, um, 
No, there was one challenge I was willing to sit out in hopes that we didn't win, mm-hmm. but there was there wasn't any throwing it. Uh, I think it was a puzzle. It was something in the lagoon, some kind of water thing. Yeah, I voluntarily sat out. Yeah, you guys sent. Uh, was it Greg and Kobe into a challenge against Stephanie and Bobby John? Which you know, uh, the, the last time I watched it, I felt like, boy, that's a weird pairing to throw out there in the immunity challenge. Yep. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what it was. I was kind of like, all right, uh, I wouldn't have minded having. Bobby John or Steph on the jury and I didn't want Kobe on the jury. So I was kind of like, Hey, if they merge us or if both of these people come over and play the game, I knew that Bobby John and I, even though it was head to head all the time, we respected each other. There was always a handshake. There was always a nod. Um, So I knew that I had him if he was a jury member. and I knew I had Steph, so I wouldn't have minded seeing both of those people come over. Um, but yet, I would never have thrown a challenge or, or manipulated. And Tom, that's so intuitive of you, though, because, I mean, obviously, you said you did not want Kobe to be on the jury. The only vote you did not get was from Kobe. So you had that dialed in. Yeah, uh, someday we'll get to hug it out. But uh, I actually, I liked Kobe. Um I thought he was great in the challenges. He was the guy that we needed for, there was a couple of them, the puzzles and, uh, you know, moving the the big pieces, uh, him beating James on the sumo at sea. Yeah. Like the guy always delivered. Uh, he's one of the hardest workers around camp. He, you know, just really, whether it was gathering wood or, you know, just, you know, keeping the place, he, he was good. Uh, I, I think that what happened was when he realized that there was numbers, that there was five against four, he got really panicky. And um, I, there was one we went to to get water one day. And I was trying, I guess I didn't explain myself clearly, but I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not denying it. There's five of us, you know, and I'm just telling, and I was trying to tell him, be number six, don't be number nine, or you're the next guy going home. And he took that as me saying, I, I will grant you the sixth place in Survivor Palau. And all I was saying was like, you know, don't just stay close to the game, stay in the game. And then when we all start flipping and the numbers don't make sense, and Katie and Jen and Greg can grab you, then Ian and I are. And I, so, so. I, I don't know. I don't know if it was miscommunication. Uh, he didn't like the fact that I was being the leader and that they were listening to whatever I said. Uh, there were moments where strategically he wanted to go and we had to give a member up and we didn't know what that meant. So we didn't know if they were going to do like each tribe gives a member and they swap tribes. So we wanted it to be someone within our five I didn't want to yeah. go. Finally, Ian said, but Kobe was volunteering to go, but we didn't, we didn't want him to go because he could have then got power from the other tribes. So we just weren't going to let that happen. So, so it must've been very frustrating for him. Um, I, I, listen, I lived his experience when I went back and did the heroes versus the villains. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just, we had a group of people who were, I, 
common stuff got to go. That's, you know, from the beginning. And, uh, so they, they, that was their agenda. So I, I've seen the other side, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not as much fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah. And, and you know, it's so I know Kobe always says that we voted him out cause he was a threat. And the reality is he just got, he got really annoying around camp. He was, you know, kind of like he was the buzzkill. He was ruining. We were all kind of having fun, at least the five people who were mm-hmm. controlling the game. And it was just uh, enough of this, enough. So uh, that's why he went home on that first opportunity that we had to get rid of somebody. Um, but once again, great guy. Uh, he, I, you know, uh, I've, Wish you had more fun out there. <laughs> yeah, you know, just the numbers had lined up differently. Uh, but that—that's—that's that's what it was. You know, Tom, I, I want to go back to something that you had said about how uh, you tried to tell Kobe that he was number six. I, I feel like that um, you tried something uh, similar with Stephanie. And I think that that's like an interesting way to approach the game of to tell these people that are at the bottom, like, hey, you know, uh, you, there there is a group. You, you know, you're not denying that there's something going on, but we, you know, yeah. we want we want to get get next to us. And, you know, let's let's see what happens as opposed to you know i had compared it with boston rob where that his game it might be to say like hey colby you know me and you let's go to the final two let's not tell anybody and have like multiple (laughs) deals with people was that something that you had uh thought about where that okay well if colby goes back and says hey everybody guess what tom just said i was i was six outside you know it's like yeah okay so what uh it's a little bit more of like uh the people can't necessarily uh you know come after you with that information so i you know that that was my strategy was also not to make enemies of a jury member by lying to them. Um, so when I did get, you know, my final say, I said, I didn't lie to any of you. If I told you I was looking out for you and I do what I could, that's what I did. So Stephanie, Karen, any of those people, um, what I said I would do, I did. Um, I did look out for them. So it was, uh, you know, when they had to go, they had to go, but it was not, uh, you know, I, I didn't lie. So I didn't make side deals. I didn't tell Karen, uh, Katie's out, you know, it's going to be you, me, and Ian. I, I wouldn't do it. And so, um, so that, that's one of those strategies too, that it, it's risky to not, um, you know, not lie to people. But at the end, if you're, not playing just to stay for two more votes. If you stay in and make it to the end and then get people on the jury who will vote for you to get money, um, then you have to handle it carefully that way too. I mean, we've, we've seen really good players who are missing that part. Um, you know, Russell asking me one time when I met him that, Oh, I'm the greatest. Don't you think? And I dude, you, you're, two legs of a three-legged stool like you're missing the whole social game which, he, what you're he doing asked is, you, you know, aren't i the greatest <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah i think it was after the heroes villains we were doing the uh, uh <laughs> top 10 on letterman or something like that but he wants validation and i'm like ah, you're missing a third of the game yeah you know tom let me ask you this when you you I mean, you already knew with Survivor Palau you were the king you 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 did an amazing job. 
And then you said how you felt going into heroes versus villains, because you had to know going in, like you said, you and Stephanie, people wanted you out. You guys were, were challenge beasts. You were, you were both extremely likable. Your social game was over the top. How did you feel after heroes versus villains? And maybe you even felt it during Palau when Jonathan and Wanda get out there and are eliminated on day two. Can you imagine? I, I can't even imagine what that would feel like. No, I, it, it was, yeah, it was cruel. Um, glad they haven't done that to anybody again. Um, you know, I, I don't know Jonathan very well. Uh, I do know that he didn't, you know, he really didn't go out of his way um, to make personal bonds on that first day. Mm-hmm. He was a little standoffish and, you know, just he jumped off the, the boat. People. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that hurt him that badly. That was just, you know, uh, I, I think it was just, you know, just the way people read people. Um, so I don't know. He was a victim of not reaching out and making enough contacts. And Wanda was a victim of just being the older person because she certainly made contacts with everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of respect. You know, you laugh and the music and, and the songs. Uh, she is an incredible person, I think. And uh, yeah, like she's, oh. she's And I think her not being on probably hurt her more than it would hurt the rest of us. I think it really was something that whatever life owed her. And uh, so a great lady. Well, that I I don't think that you know this, but Wanda is actually a very big part of what we do on the podcast because Tom, we, we do a weekly song parody contest after every episode of survivor inspired by wanda and it's called the the wand off (laughs) and people make up to 50 parody songs a week to win the wand off yeah 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 Yeah. um so she's uh, like our patron saint Oh, that's good. That's good. Have you done? Has she done the interview? Well, I talked to her, probably, I think, like five years ago. But it was before mm-hmm. we even started doing the wand off. Uh, and really, right. what we started talking about the uh, uh, going back and talking about Wanda was that we were uh, going back and we did a rewatch of Palau, and uh, we were joking around about Wanda and all of the songs. And we were inspired by your uh, Truck 108 T-shirt from Survivor Palau, and uh, we uh-huh. were imagining that maybe all they that Truck 108 uh, was maybe a radio station. Uh, that, that that's a <laughs> Truck 108 on your FM dial where uh, all right, the Wanda right, hits right. get played. Yeah. Um, so that's a funny story. I, I I did not want to wear anything identifying myself as a fireman or. I kind of just wanted, I would have preferred to just have a blue t-shirt and just blend in and then let, you know, let me establish who I am with these new people. Um, so CBS was, you know, I think that they wanted the nine eleven connection and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and FDMY. So I said no. And then we got a notice saying, oh, well, we're going to do a publicity shoot out in Palau when you all get there. So we also need you to send, besides your game clothes, we need you to send us what you wear to work clothes. So 
I sent my, you know, my button down lieutenant shirt with the bars and the t-shirt and the t-shirts approved. And I kind of knew when they told us, right, we're going for that photo shoot. And I'm like, oh, this is the beginning of the game, this thought, this thing. So that's why you had some people, some of the girls were in business suits, some of the guys had jackets. Uh, so it was, I, I think, manipulated to get me in that shirt. So it, it didn't hurt me. Um, I didn't talk about 9-11 when I was out there. It was, you know, I think that they were hoping to get sound bites every time somebody would ask me something about it, the sound crew would lean in, but uh, mm-hmm. I was kind of careful not to use that to an advantage and manipulate it because then I'd never be able to come home and face any of my buddies again. So, yeah. um, Wow, T-Bird, how, how great was that? Oh, God. You know, you see why I love Tom Westman. And for all of those listening to this clip, fantastic. But I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to his entire entire interview. He talks to us about his health issues, um, where he would do absolutely nothing different due to his response for 9-11. Um, he's volunteered to help disabled vets as a ski instructor. I mean, he's just one of the most beloved winners, and you'll certainly see why during his interview. So I encourage you to go back and listen to the whole, whole interview with yeah, Tom. Yeah, it was really great. I remember just being so thrilled at the time that we were doing it. And I was also at like listening to it back today to get ready for this podcast. You know, Jeff Probst says to him in the finale that Jeff asks him a question, and I forget what the exact question was, but Tom gives like a very political answer. And uh, Jeff says, see, this is what it's like. Tom is going to say just enough to, you know, give you an answer and not offend anybody. And, you know, he does do a, like a really good job about like, uh, like saying something, but also at the same time, like not saying anything that's going to offend anybody, uh, that he was out there with. Yeah. And he still wins what six to one, I think, other than six to one, Kobe, Um, yeah, six to one, other than Kobe's vote. And again, he's one that you would see at the very, very start of the season and say, listen, we got to get we got to get him out. But then as his social game is stronger, his leadership skills, kick, I mean, he's, he keeps gaining momentum and still no, it does not get targeted. So, yes, I love Tom Westman. Yeah, so he does a, a great job. Of course, we are going to have links to the entire a trilogy box set of the original interviews in the show notes over on robhasawebsite.com. Uh, if you click on the link, you'll be able to see the links to Tom, Katie, and Ian's interviews, and even Stephanie LaGrosa. Don't want to forget about that, T-Bird, right? No, don't forget her. She's a powerhouse. I mean, she's an amazing... Yes, don't forget about her. She's She's a standout in this season as well. Yeah. Uh, T-Bird, before we get to Ian, I just want to thank one more sponsor for this episode of the podcast. And this is a good one because Tom and Ian could have used some help from the Theragun after the 11-hour endurance challenge on Survivor Palau. I'm sure that they had uh, some very sore muscles uh, from a very stressful and tense situation. And uh, that's what the Theragun is for because uh, Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases 
your deepest muscles tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. T-Bird, you would love it. Oh, absolutely. But listen, I don't want you to cheat Ian and Tom on this. You said 11 hours. 11 hours and 55 minutes. 11 hours and 55 minutes, yeah. Yes, and, and, and you know Katie Katie needs the Theragun too because she lasted five, five hours, hours and that's nothing to turn your nose up to right there. So you know she needed yeah. it too. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or an injury or just everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. It's got an OLED screen and design to make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. The Theragun app is going to learn from your behaviors and suggest a guided routines. You know, uh, we are big fans of the Theragun over at my house. T-Bird, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, I also, I'm, I'm not just podcasting all the time. I like to exercise. I try to exercise uh, sev- several days a week, T-Bird. You got to have it. And I get the, sore, too. You got to have it. I get sore, yeah, too. About, and luckily, and, yeah. And Nicole works out, too. Is is Nicole using the Theragun? I know she is. Oh, yeah, she is. And, and you know what the nice thing about the Theragun is, is that like uh, you can just do the Theragun yourself. You don't need to have somebody else like uh, bother anybody like, hey, could you rub this uh, up my back or anything like that? You could just go ahead. Theragun, it has different angles that you can use. It's great for sore muscles, especially legs, uh, your shoulders, uh, your neck, anything that is hurting on your body. It's going to help. Uh, loosen things up with the Theragun. That's why it is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharpova, and hundreds of thousands of customers and me. So try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash RHAP right now to get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash RHAP, theragun.com slash R-H-A-P. All right, T-Bird. September 2020, you and I talked with Ian Rosenberger. I'm going to set up uh, two clips here. Uh, The first was Ian talking about the schoolyard pick. And we heard Tom talk about this. Ian as well, uh, that they all regretted they didn't get to spend more time with Wanda. Here is Ian from September of 2020. All right, so you mentioned it. So Rob, he just mentioned the schoolyard pick. So I got to ask this. So when you were doing the schoolyard pick, you picked Katie first because we know your hearts were bonded. So Katie tells it. And then Katie picked Tom for the reasons that you just um, were saying about Tom. Um, but I'm curious, why did Karen, in your opinion, why do you think Karen chose Willard a 56-year-old man that, that looked like the immunity idol as compared to 23-year-old Jonathan Libby, the young guy. You know, it's so... T-Bird, I'm really glad that you're narrating it because I actually forgot that I, that's who... I, I didn't remember that I picked Katie. And I think... Was it because we had to pick a male... I, H1 had to pick a yeah. female and then a male, right? Yeah. yeah. 
So I picked, I, I picked her because we were female male and we had already agreed like whatever's going to happen, we're going to stick together. Great. I don't, I think Karen and Willard had hung out and talked like they had set up their, their challenge. And I don't think that Karen had said a word to Jonathan. In fact, I don't remember Jonathan saying much of anything to anybody. Like he was kind of a, kind of a quiet guy. And I imagine that's why he ended up. Nobody liked Jonathan. That's the story that is always told that uh, he jumped out of the boat and then nobody connected with him, that nobody liked it, that he tried to dive in and try to get the immunity idol. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I haven't probably said 16 words to him, you know, other and then than nobody's hey, ever heard you? from him ever again. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, he, he seemed like a nice enough guy. T-Bird, see if you can find were, Jonathan Libby next. There were, right. there were two people that jumped off that boat yeah. and like really early. And one of them was Stephanie and one of them was Jonathan. Yeah. And they, like, I, I remember kind of working my way. I was in the middle of the boat. I remember being like, hey, nice to meet you. And like using every opportunity to get to the front of the boat, thinking like, if we're going to jump off this thing, like I want to get as close to the front, to the front as possible. And I remember them jumping off and being like, oh, they, they're dummies. That mm-hmm. <laughs> We're still like a mile and a half from shore. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, John, I guess Jonathan was one of them. I, I felt bad for him and Wanda. You're not getting the chance, especially Wanda. Man, she wanted to play so badly. Yeah. Ian, well, Wanda lives on. She has a very special place of honor here on the podcast. We do a weekly Survivor song parody competition. It's called <laughs> The Wandoff. We honor her every week. That my, one of my co-hosts, Josh Wiggler, that he is the ultimate Wanda stan. So Wanda has a very special place in Rob's podcast. And we would love That's to, great hear to hear any stories or recollections that you have of your time with Wanda on the island? I remember Wanda being one of the nicest people I have met yes. throughout this entire process of all the thousands of people that we've met. Um, I also remember being a massive fan of the show. And you could t- just tell that Wanda brought the same amount of enthusiasm to the hour and a half that I got to spend with her mm-hmm. than, than she did every single thing in her life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She just was that person. She was so nice. And, and I also remember her, she's from Pennsylvania, I yes. think too, right? Um, from Amish country, from Lancaster. Uh, and she, uh, I remember her mentioning that and us bonding over that. She was, she's just a very, very sweet person. And, uh, and also, I, I do remember her singing and being like, oh man, we really missed out on having this lady around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she'd been so much entertainment. Uh, she, was, she really was. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I also remember... Uh, watching them go off into the sunset and Jonathan being quiet next to her and Wanda just like taking the moment. Yeah. She really like took the spotlight in that particular moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we got hungry and you know, hell started. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean hell started the game? <laughs> yeah. The game. And I, I, I th- those first seven days were, I, I, I mean, I think I lost most of my weight and mm-hmm. that amount of time. I, I, we just, nobody could get their shit together. We couldn't get a fire going. It was before we split. Like the, the, some of the group was like very clearly like, you know, just like it was like the it was all it was the oolong. They were just like not necessarily some of them weren't necessarily. Yeah. Uh, you know, all in. So I, it, it was just painful. And I hate coconuts. and I hate coconuts then. And I hate them now even more. And I got stung by a jellyfish, which wasn't on camera. And, you know, all the things that you're like, why the hell did I do this? Like, this is a dumb idea. <laughs> So T-Bird, uh, that was Ian talking about uh, the start of the game. But of course, 
Ian is always going to be remembered most for what happens at the end of the game. Gosh, yes. And again, did I did I talk about loyalty with mm-hmm. these three players and and hit this twenty four year old? And, and I do wonder how long Tom and Ian could have stayed up there because I got a feeling Tom was not coming down anytime soon, or or Ian either. So. You know, but I'll tell you what's really interesting that Ian told us again. Please listen to the full interview because you're going to learn so many, so many cool things about Ian. He really feels like that his life would have turned out so much differently yeah. if he had of one. And the work that he has done, he's done such life changing work now in Haiti, and he's he's doing so many cool things that he feels like wouldn't have happened. So. The journey started um, as far as what he's doing in Haiti with what happened, I think, in Palau. So he, he's really a fascinating guy. And again, just like Tom, I think Ian started out, you know, working with with children with mental and physical disabilities. Just another great, great guy. And he's continuing his work even now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's listen to a little bit more from Ian about the final challenge, his thought process, and uh, much more. From Ian Rosenberger back in September of 2020. Now, I know you said we might have to refresh your memory on Survivor, so I got a feeling this is something we might not have to remind you about. Tell us about that million-dollar decision to come off the pole 11 hours and 55 minutes telling Tom you want him to take Katie. Tell us about that. (laughs) Yeah, this is like the thing that is no matter what I do, I can't get off my, the, the first thing that happens when you type Ian Rosenberger in Google. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, yeah, that was uh, one of the stranger days of my life. Um, the, the, the whole, uh, you know, I, I remember the, I remember afterwards, somebody, mm-hmm. and I can't remember who showed me a sketch. I, it might've been the, it was somebody from the challenges team showed me a sketch of the challenge and what, you know, as they kind of pitched it. And I remember it was called Baba Booey. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, cause Stern was, it was so, po- so popular at the time. And, uh, and I remember looking at it and being like, this is the most diabolical thing that somebody can come up with. <laughs> like, like, you know, standing the way that we had to on these buoys. And, and, uh, and I, I just also remember God, that day was so weird because we had, we had done a challenge. If I can remember this right, we'd done a challenge. I lost. It didn't win. I and we had just voted. Oh, no, Jen had just gone because of the tiebreak. Jen and I had to make a fire. And, I, you know, as soon as Jeff was like, oh, you have to make a fire against Jen. Um, you know, I was like, I'm in good shape because I, I don't remember Jen making too much fire. Um, and And so, you know, after that, uh, getting the chance to, you know, be the, in the final three. Um, I just remember it you know, had all come to a head. Like it was just a terrible feeling. It, remember I was 23 mm-hmm. and fairly idealistic. So like it, it, if I had done the show now, I don't know that I'd played it the same way because I took it so seriously. It felt so much like real life. It's but just at 23 years old. Like you have this, like, I don't know what Tom was then 60, 65. How old is he now? Uh, <laughs> Tom, um, was four, Tom was 40 I, yeah right Tom was 40 he, he, lo- he didn't look a day he didn't look a day under 53 <laughs> um, but I just remember you know that that day being like I just feel like a total asshole I feel like a total like I everything I was you know like raised to be I felt like I just let so many people down mm-hmm. who were gonna watch this at home and be like 
you know, God, this guy's like a total kind of, kind of a dick. Mm -hmm. And, and like, that just didn't, you know, some people look at that and are like, that's the way I want to be portrayed. And, and, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think honestly, if I'd be playing the game today, I probably like, if I was in the same situation, I have to tell you, like, I probably would have not like made a different decision, but I think I probably would have approached the game differently. Um, as like a 39 year old man, as opposed to like a 23, 23 year old boy. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I just, um, I just, that led to the challenge. We got on the, got onto those things and I was like, man, what am I going to do here? Like we, I'm, we got on the mm-hmm. pole and at, at maybe two hours in, I was like, F it. Like I'm going for it. I will, I'll, I'll stay here till sunrise. Like I can do this for the next, you know however long it takes and i remember calculating my mind being like i bet it's around like six o'clock like sunrise is probably at six like it so to me that was like if i can go like 15 hours because i think we're like maybe three or four hours maybe 15 or 16 hours i will i can you know i'll just bury this guy you know just you know take it and i'll win the million um take katie and and I, I was for sure and I, that I, I, I thought I could definitely be Katie. I didn't think, I didn't know that I could be Tom. So I was going to vote Tom off. Um, and then, you know, one hour ticks away, two hours tick away, uh, another, you know, five hours tick away. And I just remember it was like being on drugs. Like you just felt so strange. Like everybody's quiet. There's like 60 people watching you. Cause like everybody at home doesn't get to see that. But like mm-hmm. there's a huge barge that a fool of people that are all dead quiet filming you and uh you know they're they didn't expect it to go more than three or four hours so they're all like what the hell are we going to do um you know trying to change out batteries on cameras and uh and then i remember there being a period of like six hours or so where it was just dead quiet like nobody said a word and uh it was during that time that i was like what like what's this going to be after this like what do i want to be once this whole thing's over and uh, I just remember being like, I don't, whatever this is, whatever, however I played, like, I don't want to be that. And, uh, and you know, it just kind of came to me and I was like, you know, like, uh, it, maybe I'll, this is the time, like, maybe this is the moment that is the right way to do this. Like, how do I maintain some dignity, dignity in this thing? Mm-hmm. And that just felt like the right move. And who knows if it was or not, but I'll tell you, like, I would make it now, like a million times over. Yeah, uh, this is interesting, you know, getting to hear you talk about this. Like, I, I don't hear any sort of regret in terms of like, uh, because I think it's framed like, oh, Ian gave up that he had, you know, he would have won or he could, he could have won. And I feel like that I, I sense that that's what your frustration is, is where it's sort of like the way it's presented as opposed to the actual decision that you made. Yeah, I mean, people can think what they want. I don't mind. I, I think that. Uh, but I do think that, that, um, yeah, it, it just, I'll tell you, like, if I, if I think about what happened afterwards in the mm-hmm. show, like if I don't want a million dollars at 23 and like my level of maturity, uh, I would have probably messed it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I would have, you know, I, I blew through the money that I made, you know, yeah. like, like yeah, it was, my parents were, I have terrific family and like, they were just like, well, this is your call. Like you do what you do. And so rather than them be like, you know, you got to invest this, you got to do that. I just like, just went out and had a good time. And, and, you know, I had won a car. I, I sold the car and bought a F-150 pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, you know, this is before I knew what climate change was. And, uh, you know, just, just like had a great time. And, and I think if I'd have won the million, 
I think I ended up slightly more dickish. And I, I mean, I think maybe I already <laughs> am a dick, but like, I think this, I probably would end up even more. That's what Tom told us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Ian, so Ian, if you, ha- if y'all hadn't negotiated to come down, yeah. I know Tom says he would have 100% beat you. Who do you think would have lasted the longest? Cause you just said you'd have gone to at least sunrise. Yeah. And I actually remember, and th- this is, I remember, uh, I'm, I was like, I'm going to start seeing if I can play with his head. And I remember saying, like, uh, Tom, I think it's actually on camera. Tom says something along the lines of, like, I'm feeling okay. And I remember saying, like, I'm just getting started. And I remember, like, I, they cut to him. And I remember him, like, there was kind of a look on his face, like, oh, man, like, this can be a long night. And I just remember being like, I am half this guy's age. I am a third of this guy's age. And I, uh, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I can definitely do this. Like, there's no problem. Like I didn't, I didn't feel, I felt like if we had to, I could have taken it all the way. Um, and, and I also felt like, uh, I felt like it, that was, it was mine to mine to win at that point. Um, all I had to do was stay on this thing long enough and I would beat him. And like, still to this day, like I run ultra marathons, like, you know, I generally now I, maybe because of that night, put myself through it, you know, a lot of pain. And now it's like, Oh no, I definitely could have done that. I think what's strange is like, like for what, at the end of the day, it's like, who cares? Like, I don't know. It's a million bucks and a million bucks is a lot of money. It's life changing money. Like for sure, especially when you're as young as I was. Um, but I just remember like getting emails afterwards uh, from people, you know, people who were like, listen, I watch this show every week with my family. You know, we rarely have an opportunity to talk about like values on TV or like value, like just like how to like, you know, use it as a parenting moment. I think you know, that still happens a lot with Survivor, I think. And, and like, you know, I, people who were like, you, you know, I got notes from people who were like, I was feeling kind of blue and depressed. And like, you just feel like, oh my God, like this was, this was cool. Like this felt like maybe I did something. And that, that, em- whatever regret I might've had in the, in the hours afterwards. And I actually, I don't remember being, I actually don't regret it at all. And didn't then. Um, but anything like when you're like, man, I, I just gave away a million bucks. I, uh, they just went away. It just, they just ended up feeling like totally the right move. I don't know if that answered your question, but <laughs> you, you did. And I, I want to tell you, I talked to uh, Stephanie LaGrosa Kendrick. Oh yeah. And, uh, the first thing when I asked, when I said your name, she said, I freaking love Ian. And so <laughs> she, Stephanie actually says she could have gone at least 16 hours oh, yeah. on that challenge. I, I, I think there's, I actually think there's only a couple people on the show that season that could have gone the distance in that, that regard. Uh, Tom was one. I was another. Stephanie was another. Um, yeah. And, and it had nothing to do with like how, like how much you could bench. Like at that point we were on, uh, on the, on the Island for what, 39 days, uh, uh, 38 days at that point. And no, I think it was 39. And, uh, and uh, honestly, like there's like, at that point it was uh, totally mental and Steph had it. Steph and me and Tom and Katie and Greg, I don't know if anybody remembers Greg. He was actually on sure, our Greg season. Carey. <laughs> he was always in the background. Um, and he was, he always played second fiddle to Jen, who was way cooler and way nicer than him. And I miss Jen every day. Um, but, uh, we all, we all have a text message chain and, um, we, we, especially during COVID we've, we've zoomed a couple times and, and chatted and like, you know, Stephanie, all those people, they just have the goods. They're just, 
really amazing people. And it, and it has nothing to do with how far they can run or, you know, how much they lift. So, and let's, let's pretend you and Tom are in the finals because Tom beat Katie six to one. I think Kobe gave uh, Katie that one vote, I think. I was going to ask who, who voted for Katie six to one. All right. Got it. I think it was Kobe, but Kobe said that he loved, she said, during the game, I loved him, meaning you. And he also said that he thought you were the true mastermind working uh, with him and Tom against each other and that you deserve more credit for it. Well, so that's very nice of that, to say. So with, with um, that being said, let's, how many votes do you think you would have gotten if it had been you and Tom? Uh, if it had been me and Tom, I, that's a great question. I think I'd have gotten, uh, hold on. Let me just think about who was on my tribe. Uh, all right. I'll give you the jury. I'll give you the jury. Hey, Ian, I'll give you the jury name. And I'll say yes or no. All right. All right. Hey, Rob, you count them up because I can't multitask. You count them up. Kobe? I think he'd have voted for me. I think so. Janu? Okay. Janu? Janu would have voted the same way Kobe voted. Stephanie? Uh, I think Stephanie would have voted Tom. Greg? Uh, I think Greg, Greg goes Tom. Jen? Jen, Tom. Karen? I think Karen would have voted for me. Katie? I think uh, Katie would have voted for me. Who wins? Who wins, wins, Rob? Wow, yeah, you win. Uh, See, I I think that Karen is the one that I feel like. Karen's the swing vote. I know. Karen's the swing vote. You know, because on the show, I think it, it, it was presented like uh, that she was like loyal to Tom. Ah, uh, yeah, Karen. We could do a whole episode on Karen. Uh, she's a, she's an interesting. I actually think she maybe had you know a little like you know crush on Tom. Uh, but uh, I mean, I think a lot I, of people yeah, did, not just on your season. I certainly did. I yeah. mean, look, I gave him a million dollars for him. Um, <laughs> I, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that yeah, I think you're right. I think Karen that that could have swung either direction. Um, but it, who knows? And I but, but it wouldn't have mattered anyway because I would have taken. I wouldn't have taken Tom. <laughs> you know, I, I right, you know good. I love him to death, but I, I would have taken Katie. And and I you know I don't know how it would fall with Katie. Uh, I know that 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 uh, Kate. So Kobe was right. Like we. Katie and Tom and I and Kobe, we, we kind of ran the game from, from our, our uh, beach and we didn't have to deal with a lot of the bullshit that comes along with getting people voted out. So we had all the time in the world to kind of play, take our time, you know, really dig in and we weren't losing people. So it was all about like, who's going to join us from that tribe? Wh- you know, what are we going to, how is that going to change the dynamic? And then the best piece of advice that I would ever give anybody who ever goes on the show is like, shut your mouth, like go get some food. And this is both think before the game changed, but like shut your mouth, go get some food. And, and whenever somebody messes it out, messes up, just quietly point it out to everybody. Like, that's it. That's the whole game. I <laughs> went in thinking everybody's gonna be super smart. And this was going to be like a big, like, you know, game theory, you know, uh, deal. And it wasn't, it was just like quietly point out when somebody messes up and they go home next. It's like that straightforward. And uh, and then just play the numbers. You just continually make sure that like you play the numbers and, and that was it. And I think that, uh, I think that the game, we had a lot of advantages because we won so many of those team challenges. 
Mm-hmm. So, Ian, uh, Katie said if it had been you two in the final two, she would have only gotten one vote. Do you know who she said she would have gotten the one vote from? Uh, that's a great question. Jen. Nope. Karen. She says she thinks she'd have gotten one vote. Oh, because Karen that's, that's, like, respected her game. I, maybe. Yeah, that makes total sense. I have no idea. Karen's a total live wire. She's a 50-50 coin. Hey, I love what you were saying about playing the game. Just go get food and gather food because Katie was saying that you were the gatherer, that you were the gatherer. You kind of acted like the absent-minded professor out there, but you would go and gather food and that you had cargo shorts that you wore. And that Katie said she slept. She said she slept between you and Tom. And there was just this horrible smell every night. And then she realized, (laughs) do you know where I'm going with this? Do you know where I'm going with this, Ian? Okay, there was this there was this horrible smell. She realized that you were going out gathering food, oh, yeah. and you would gather you were gathering snails and clams, and you would bring some back for for everybody, and then you keep some for yourself in your pockets oh, that you would forget yeah. about, and and then they would be in your pockets just smelling up. I guess when y'all were when y'all were all three sleeping together. Yeah, that's right. We were all on that platform. I I don't remember leaving things in my pocket, but I don't put it past me. That made that sounds like vintage me uh i would say that i did i did feel like my strength was going to be swimming get, being on the water hunting those were all going to be things i was going to be good at and i was actually really worried a couple of challenges i was super worried that i was going to i actually was worried that i was going to as we started getting into it and there was i it just like it was the perfect season for me because uh it was all about but it was all about water. And I was just like, I mean, look, I, I, my job was on the water. Like I swam every single day. So like I could hold my breath for forever. I could swim for forever. I, you know, I was, you know, new knots and new sailing and new all that stuff. So like, I just like, I just remember feeling very much like that. And I remember taking people out, I would go hunting. And my big worry was when I would go hunting that my, you know, you guys both know this, like the second you're away from the group is the, is an opening mm-hmm. for somebody to talk about you. So I just remember always being like, if I think I'm that guy's go, I'm putting off. snails in his pocket and not sharing them yeah, with exactly. us. Exactly. <laughs> that would explain that smell. I would sit out there with Tom on the reef. There was a reef, maybe like 30 or 40 yards offshore that you could sit, sit on and stand up on. I would sit out there with Tom on the reef. reef. We would hunt for snails, clams, all that stuff. We'd bring them up. We'd eat them there. And we, while we were hunting for everybody else, we'd, we'd eat. And we sit there and talk about who's going to go home next. And like, that's kind of how we played the game. It was like, he and I would go out there and do our thing. And then, and that's where we hit it off. Like it was summer camp. You know, we would, we, we were, we both love to hunt. We both like, were, you know, really big nerds. And, and, and so we hit it like Tom and I are, I still, Tom and I are kindred spirits. You know, I love the guy to death. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. In the show, that it was portrayed like you and Tom were having some friction as things got close to the end game. Was that a real thing or was that sort of really amped up by the production? Uh, there, so here's what's funny. I don't know what Tom said, um, but I would say that it was for me, I don't think we asked from, my, I, from my perspective, it was very real. Like it felt it felt like the world was coming down on top of me, you know, like again, like immature, like not, not sure, like how the the way the world actually worked. And like the, it it just felt very, very real. And I actually think that like Tom knew that, like Tom knew that I was uh, like where I was in life. And and I think 
he, I think as soon as he saw that opening, he definitely knew kind of how to press his hand onto the wound. You know, mm-hmm. like he really like knew how to do that. And like to his credit, like he should have, like he wanted to win the game. So, you know, that was a weakness I think of mine is that like, I, I really, you know, I, I really treated that bond with a lot of like, you know, I, I think he was, you know, fraternal, paternal, whatever you want to say, like, like he, he, like that, I, I it was took it very, very seriously. And I think Tom did too. But I also think he realized, like, look, I got a wife and kids at home. Like I got mm-hmm. a roof to put on the house. I got, you know, all the things to do. And and I think that you know, he he is the age, he was the age then, almost the age that I am now. And I think that uh, you know, he just knew how to do that. But I, at the time it was real. Like it did feel I don't feel like they played it up at all, really. Mm-hmm. But like it was actually like that. This is fun, by the way. Oh, good. I haven't talked about this stuff in a long time. Good. T-Bird, I just think that that's all really amazing stuff uh, from Ian, especially that we're talking to him at, as he mentioned, like he's very close to the age that Tom was when he played against Ian. Right. I think, was it Tom like 40 when he played? And Ian, I think like... Yeah, he was was 40. Yeah. Yeah. uh, (laughs) And as Ian mentioned, uh, you know, three times his age. That's That was his line uh, that he used a couple of times. And so um, really great to hear from Ian. Uh, It's a a very fun group to talk to. I know it. And you know what, Rob, it's kind of like I told you about Tom, how his social game was so strong. So you got to feel I got to feel like, you know, Ian looking up to this, you know, New York firefighter. Um, and obviously like, I, I guess a father figure and he, it was so important for Ian to hold on to his integrity. And this is a 23 year old kid saying that, I mean, well, you know, when you get a little bit more mature, you probably really think about that, Rob, or when you have children, you think about how you might be portrayed, but here he is at 23 stepping down after what, 11 hours and 55 minutes. Again, it's why mm-hmm. I, I love this, this final challenge. And I love these three. Uh, I love these three that were in the, were in the finals. Strong okay. story. Well, let's Strong talk story. about the the third of uh, the Palau Trilogy box, box set, set from <laughs> last year. And so uh, in October, we dropped this on my birthday, uh, October 20th, 2020. We got to finally talk to Katie Gallagher and... Um, <laughs> Let's hear from let's hear a little bit from Katie and talk about uh her thoughts at the start of Survivor Pullout. All right, so so Katie, y'all started out with 20 players but quickly Jonathan and Wanda and Jonathan were eliminated. I think I remember that you kind of waved bye to them, but did you feel bad to think, god, that could have been me? I've waited all this time to play this game and here I am one night and then gone. So how did you feel about those two? I was crying. I was crying when they left. We were all crying. It's just, a, it's such a buildup to get out there and then not be able to play. And, and they'd never done that before. So it was really heartbreaking. You know, you want to, I mean, of course it's a game and it's like cutthroat, but that early on, it's like, come on, we, they don't, they didn't even get to, you know, like do anything. The, the challenge was swimming to the, to the Island, you know, mm-hmm. But it was also, you know, it was a challenge in and of itself to to sleep and be with people and socialize with people and, and make a shelter. Like there was a lot of time that went by. And then at that point, it was strictly 
a social strategic move and you saw exactly where the cards lied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like that if Wanda and Jonathan would have gotten into the regular game, that do you feel like that they would have been around for a while or do you think that what ended up happening, it was inevitable? Yeah. It was totally inevitable. I mean, you see it like Stephanie has such a great personality and everybody you want to be around her and she's got a great attitude and she's a hard worker and she's, she's awesome. So Stephanie jumped out of the boat just like Jonathan did, Mm -hmm. but Jonathan didn't have a social game, you know? And then Wanda seemed, you know, honestly, we love Wanda. Yes. We love Wanda. So, but like, everyone does dogs, people. And we love Mabel and we love Mabel too. Mabel. Hey, Wanda was insane. I mean, Wanda. I just called Mabel Wanda. Mabel, <laughs> my dog. I mean, Katie, do you, you know that we celebrate Wanda on this podcast? I do, and I yes. celebrate Wanda too. Yes. I love Wanda. I love what you do. I think Wanda is great. I feel like Wanda would have been uh, on Coror if things had been moved around a little bit. She was definitely, you know, mm-hmm. what? She was wacky. We were at a really wacky team, so I feel like if anything, Wanda would have would have ended up on our tribe. Mm-hmm. Well, what did you, since you had watched all these seasons, what did you think when you saw Stephanie and Bobby John? Did you think, oh, this is good or, oh, I don't know about this? I mean, they're typical Survivor contestants, right? I mean, what do you mean? Did you think, though, did you think uh, we need to go ahead and get them out? They played before. They're they're popular. We... No, absolutely not. Bobby John was such a hard worker. You want to keep him around. And like I said, Stephanie was just killer and but you can also see like how um driven she was by the fact that she jumped off like that was definitely a target but stephanie and i went to the same college like we had i had a few kind of underlying alliances that the audience never saw and one of those was with stephanie um we didn't know each other, but our roommates were friends in college. We went to the same college at the same time. Um, and she saw that I was wearing a Monmouth University sweatshirt in the casting process. And I just called her Jersey because she reminded me of someone I went to college with, not knowing that she was actually someone I went to college <laughs> with. So when we had that conversation, we were like this. And then her and Tom had a thing. And then Ian and I had a thing. So, you know, I also feel like... And this Stephanie, was like a day one thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but day zero. Day zero, yeah. uh, Ian and Tom and Stephanie, too. I let her borrow my hairdryer or something. Oh, at Ponderosa before the game even started. Yeah. 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 I wrote it in my journal. She said something to me. I don't know. But, you know, we had a little, like, winky-wink thing. It was a connection. And Bobby John, are you kidding? He's so handsome and, like, so hardworking and, like, kind of crazy. Like, he was just interesting to watch. And he also looked like Jesus. So you, like, don't want to vote out Jesus. <laughs> Everybody in the cast, T-Bird, had so much reverence for Wanda. Beloved figure. Yeah. From this cast. Yeah. You know what? I- I'm hoping we can get Wanda home talking with T-Bird. I think she'd have oh. a great story to share with us. But, yes. Wanda has, you know what, for somebody to have not even really, I I guess, I guess she got to play the game or she didn't get to play the game. I mean, she was on the cast. I don't know how you would describe that, Mm -hmm. but everybody knows who Wanda Shirk is. So she has, she has history. We all know who she is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Katie's role in the final challenge, because as you mentioned, Katie was up there for five hours, but 
she has a, uh, a very urgent reason why she had to step down from the final challenge, uh, which she told us in our interview with Katie Gallagher. Let's listen to that. All right, T-Bird, when you got to go, you got to go. <laughs> Katie is so funny. She's so sassy, so hilarious. She is a mess. So be careful when you ask Katie yeah. a question, you better be ready for whatever the answer is because she's going to give it to you straight. Be ready for the answer. Well, that's what a few of the jurors found out when they had questions for her at the final tribal council. And she talked about uh, that and more with us uh, in uh, another clip from our conversation with Katie Gallagher. All right, T-Bird, great stuff from Katie. Uh, we have, might have a little bit more from Katie uh, later on in this podcast. But first, you know, T-Bird, it wasn't just three people from Survivor Palau that we talked to. We also talked with Stephanie LaGrosa. Now, this one happened, actually, this was one of the first interviews we did on talking with T-Bird. Was this, was this the first? Did we it, kick this off with Stephanie? <laughs> You know what? You mean season two, the longest running season in season our- one, season well, one. I I don't was she our, was she our very first get for season one? Okay, uh, that's was, my question. I was thinking not. I'm gonna have to look that up. I'm gonna have to look that up. So, but now I'm curious because I didn't think she was our first yeah. one coming out of the gate. Was she? Well, we talked with uh, Terry Dietz, but uh, the the Stephanie interview came to us. This was way back in June of uh, 2019. Wow. Oh, gosh. And Rob, I remember when I when I got her locked her locked her in. I was so excited to tell you because I knew it was one of those that you wanted. And again, Everybody knows who Stephanie LaGrosa is. What an amazing survivor player. Yeah. So we talked with her. The, the, the thing is, we didn't talk to her that much about Survivor Pullout. Well, I'm kind of surprised because that's, I mean, she was such a standout being the last mm-hmm. one on her tribe. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah. I was just. I remember. I was so. We didn't excited. talk to her for that long. This yeah. was. We didn't know what we were doing. That's our fault. Wait, That's didn't. our fault. Stephanie was great. We didn't know what we were doing. It was only the second episode of talking with T Bird. We had uh, talked with Helen Glover first. We That's didn't right. get the okay. format okay. down. Okay. Yes. Okay. And now yeah. we're so organized. So, our, we got our format totally we, dialed in. <laughs> now we know everything. But then, right. back then we were just like cutting our teeth. But. Here is uh, just a little bit from uh, Stephanie LaGrosa Kendrick uh, from June of 2019, June 20th, 2019. Katie, the final um, immunity challenge that lasted for close to 12 hours, I think you lasted, what, five hours, which is uh, nothing, nothing not to be proud of, that's for sure. After the five hours, did you... Did you say I don't need to do this? What they're gonna? One of them's gonna take me, or did you say I just can't do it any longer? 
Neither of those things, T-Bird. I actually was about to have explosive diarrhea and I was wearing Greg shorts and I didn't know if they were going to play it or not, but that's why I jumped off because I had to poop. I was wearing Greg shorts and I didn't want to shit in Greg shorts because I just got him voted off. And I was like, I don't, it's whether or not I do it here or I do it in the water. Like I, I, I was so, I could have lasted longer, but I also knew, first of all, I was like, it, I have embarrassed myself in every challenge this entire, not every challenge, but most of them. And I was like, wow, they're really, they've really got some material. And I was super paranoid and weird. I don't mm-hmm. think they would ever show anyone pooping on national television, but like, <laughs> but wouldn't that have been a legendary moment, Katie, that still would have been remembered to this day. Once again, guarded Rob. If yeah. I, I should have just shit in Greg shorts. <laughs> that would have made like television history. Right. And then I could have stayed. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I ended up just pooping in the water and it was basically liquid anyway. So like, mm-hmm. what's the point? And your face is so funny right now, Rob. <laughs> I'm like, it's so good. <laughs> but that's, that's what happened. And, and I was like, also, you know, I thought about that for a long time. And I thought about, you know, this was my challenge to win. And this is the only card I'm going to have at the final tribal council is to say, hey, listen, I didn't win a challenge until it was time to win it. And yeah. I felt like I could. But I also knew that I knew that Tom and Ian were never going to give up. And I knew that both of them needed to bring me to have any chance of actually winning the whole thing. So I was like weighing the pros and cons and Greg shorts and shit and the whole shebang. And I was like, five hours is a good (laughs) run. And I'm going to go poo. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, wait, I think that deserves a ding. Hey, so Katie, so I know you were saying, uh, I don't know how to segue to something else here. You said you were maybe a, a little disappointed with, you know, the way you did in challenges, could you build fire? Did you practice that before you left? I could. Yes, I very much could. I I didn't need to because the boys did everything. They like to do that kind of stuff at camp. Um, But yeah, no, I I used to teach survival skills like that. I practiced how to do that. I knew how to do that. I could have done that. I was also a really good swimmer, um, but I ripped the skin off my hands in the first, uh, challenge and I couldn't use them for 12 days, which never played on the entire show. You just see me with these like raggedy strips on my hands, but I literally, you could see like, that's probably where I got some sort of virus, but I just had these raw hands. I couldn't go in the salt water. I had to go every day out into the water to clean my hands because the medics were like, that's the only way you can do anything about it. So I would, we called it the baptism and I would go out and I would prepare myself and sit at the edge of, um, I'd sit in the outrigger and get into mental space to then go out into the water and dip my hands in the salt water. Cause then, and then Jen would hold me up cause I was going to pass out cause it was such horrible pain. And, um, yeah, I never got to really show any of the swimming stuff because it hurt. And, and if you look at it, those challenges I didn't do was because they were in the water, which I felt like was my strong point, but I knew, um, I knew I couldn't swing on a rope. That was a big thing. I actually said that in our first meeting. And then, of course, the first challenge was me swinging on a rope. Mm-hmm. But I did it. Mm-hmm. It just took like 46 times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember what your question was, T-Bird. I'm sorry. Hey, I don't know what it was either, but I love what you're, how you're answering it. All right, T-Bird, when you got to go, you got to go. <laughs> Katie is so funny. She's so sassy, so hilarious. She is a mess. So be careful when you ask Katie yeah. a question. You better be ready for whatever the answer is because she's going to give it to you straight. Be ready for the answer. Well, that's what a few of the jurors found out when they had questions for her at the final tribal council. And she talked about uh, that 
and more with us uh, in uh, another clip from our conversation with Katie Gallagher. You know, that's why this re- the relationships that I built out there are so solid because, you know, I, I'm not really good at faking it. Um, if I don't like someone, mm-hmm. I, like, you know, if someone bothers me, mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious. So, um, <laughs> even the, someone like Karen, who was really annoying, <laughs> I still actually love Karen. She's like, you know, your aunt that lives in the attic. Have because, you kept up with with her at all since Survivor? No, we had we were friends on you know social platforms, but um, we had a Zoom for uh, I, I, it was like a reunion Zoom mm-hmm. during this pandemic, and yeah. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed Karen's crazy antics. I, I was like more into watching Karen than I I, I was just fascinated. She's such mm-hmm. a character. Our our season had so many characters that it was just like mind blowing to see everybody together. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. Lynn Spillman and team did an amazing job getting a circus full of people that we all just, you know, I think it's because we all live together for like, you know, that one night, two nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have a little bit of a bond on both sides, both, both tribes. How about Willard? Did you mention Willard? That you wanted to do? Does anybody keep up with Willard? I tried to find Willard. Karen tried. To, Karen said she hired a private investigator. <laughs> yes. And she couldn't find him. She failed. So I, he's the, the thing, hidden immunity idol now? He is the hidden immunity <laughs> idol. We cannot find Willard. <laughs> I mean, Where's I was like obsessed. I was obsessed with finding Willard. I was remembering that Willard said some like really nice things to me at the finale in New York when I was like throwing up backstage before he went on and he, he was just and gave me some like fatherly advice and Willard then became this enigma to me and I just really wanted to find Willard for the Zoom and we never found him. But bef- I, I thought I was like, I'd really like to call him if we get his number. And then Karen's like, I already hired someone. I already called. I was like, okay, Karen. Okay. So you should put Karen and I on an island. It would be, or just in a room, mm-hmm. put some cameras in there and see what happens. <laughs> now, Katie, hey, Katie, didn't you tell me if, if it had been between you and Ian that you actually thought the only vote you would have gotten would have been from Karen? I mean, maybe. I, I thought I remembered you telling me that. I yeah, I did tell you that, but now I don't know. I don't. There was like a <laughs> weird thing before, you know. Obviously, I everyone was going to vote for Tom. I thought I'm like, do we even need to have this tri- final mm-hmm. tribal? Um, but there was a weird time where my family and I were going through numbers, like as the show was going on. We're like, would Karen vote for you? Like just as like a Karen thing, you know, just to be really Kareny. Do you think Karen would vote for you? But Karen was so <laughs> obsessed with Tom that there was no Karen. way. Yeah, Karen is the original. She's the original Karen. She was the first Karen. <laughs> the OG. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You can do that until you're like crazy. Yeah. You know, like I think ultimately Tom was going to win, and I was rooting for Tom to win the whole right. time. You know, because we'd never had a hero win before. So mm-hmm. as a viewer, yeah, and a player, I was like, this is such an awesome season. <laughs> yeah. Let's vote for Tom to win. That'd be great. Yeah, the one time, like the one shot that it feels like that you had at this thing was when uh, at the final seven, when you guys were going to uh, you make a move and then Karen ends up, uh, you know, reporting it back to Tom. 
Do you feel like, uh, in hindsight, is that like what you look back at where maybe there might have been a shot at this thing? Yeah, that was the moment. That was the turning point. You know, you try and stay a couple steps ahead and the numbers were there. And I knew from there, it, you know, there was only a couple of ways that could have gone. And that was, that was a missed opportunity. We got, you know, Karen'd out. And, um, Tom was smart. You know, he had Karen as he was like flirt with Karen and like he had like this whole side Karen thing going on. They'd have like these breakfasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a sunrise breakfast or <laughs> whatever they were doing. But, you know, it was the, I think it was the only opportunity and it failed. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Yeah. Or fortunately. It's okay. Does anybody keep up with Greg? Love Greg. Greg is also, you know, one of those family members. Um, Greg is really funny. You wouldn't know it from watching the show because he doesn't say anything. Mm hmm. And when he does, it takes him like 45 minutes to spit it out. But we all love Greg. Greg's actually super funny. He's so smart. And he's such a likable human being. And he's got such a beautiful heart. Um, it's unfortunate that you didn't get to see a little bit more of that on the show. Because he was having this relationship with Jen. And they were like in a, like a 80s romance movie. <laughs> <laughs> but he's awesome. We all... we. We all have kept in touch during this pandemic, and I hope that we can all see each other uh, see each other real soon. Mm-hmm. Katie, did you give Greg his shorts back? I think so. I definitely told him. Yeah. I mean, I didn't keep them. We all wore Greg's shorts at some point, but like, yeah, I think I did. And then I, I was like, you know, you he actually I did because he was so freaking mean to me. I just remembered I blocked it out. I had like total PTSD from that final tribal. He was so mean to me. I was actually glad for a second that I pooped in his shorts. I wish I would. Why, say what did he food. say? He said I was pathetic. He said I was useless. He said something to the effect of me not being funny, which oh, really. Oh, hurt. that's yeah. the way that. Oh, I know. Rick, that hit I below. Got, that was below the belt. Mm-hmm. It was his and poop then, shorts. Mm-hmm. And then you took his shorts and threw them at him. <laughs> no, I like take your shorts back. Yeah. When, when's Greg's stand up special dropping? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got we got to do the Greg shit shorts show. <laughs> Greg shit show. Um, yeah, Greg is great. He was he felt really bad. I think he still feels really bad. Um, about that. Yeah. <laughs> Personal she it was so mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, T-Bird. Great stuff from Katie. Uh, we have, might have a little bit more from Katie uh, later on in this podcast. But first, you know, T-Bird, it wasn't just three people from Survivor Palau that we talked to. We also talked with Stephanie LaGrosa. Now, this one happened. Actually, this was one of the first interviews we did on talking with t-bird was this was this the first it did we kick this off with you know Stephanie? what you mean season two the longest running season in our season one what? season one I, I don't was she our, was she our very first get for season one okay i was uh that's my question i was thinking not i'm gonna have to look that up i'm gonna have to look that up so but now i'm curious because i didn't think she was our first one coming out of the yeah. gate was she well, we talked with uh, Terry Dietz, but uh, the the Stephanie interview came to us. This was way back in June 
of uh, 2019. Wow. Oh, gosh. And Rob, I remember when I when I got her locked her locked her in. I was so excited to tell you because I knew it was one of those that you wanted. And again, everybody knows who Stephanie LaGrosa is. What an amazing survivor player. Yeah. So we talked with her. The, the, the thing is, we didn't talk to her that much about Survivor pullout. Well, I'm kind of surprised because that's, I mean, she was such a standout being the last one on mm-hmm. her tribe. I don't, I don't remember. I was just, yeah. I remember I was so excited. We didn't talk to her for that yeah. long. This was, we didn't know what we were we doing. Didn't. That's our fault. That's our, Stephanie was great. We didn't know what we were doing. It was only the second episode of Talking with T-Bird. We had uh, talked with Helen Glover right. first. Okay. We didn't okay. get the format okay. down. Yes. Okay. And now we're so organized. Yeah. Our, we got our so, format totally dialed in. Now we, <laughs> now we know everything. That's right. But then, back then, we were just like cutting our teeth. But here is uh, just a little bit from uh, Stephanie LaGrosa Kendrick uh, from June of... 2019, June 20th, 2019. In Palau, if you had gotten into, to the end, to that final immunity challenge, would mm-hmm. you, and I think I know the answer to this, would you and Tom still be up there all these years <laughs> later trying to beat each other? Because I got a feeling you would not have stepped down no matter what. Oh, I would have never stepped down. But until our bodies would have physically given, uh, my body would have physically given out, like it did in Guatemala on one of those challenges, like I would be up there. There's no way I would have stepped right. down, not at the end. Mm-mm. All right. So it went 12 hours. How long mm-hmm. do you think it would have gone with you and Tom with you just beating it out? Just curious. Probably, Katie, I, what, I, Katie lasted. Katie lasted what? Five? Five hours. Katie lasted five hours. And okay. they lasted 12. And So what do you think? Well, it's harder for guys because their feet are bigger. So I definitely could have gone longer than 12. I will tell you that. And I feel, I do feel like the girls are a little mentally stronger sometimes. Not all girls, yep. but sometimes out there for some reason, women like something with the pain, they can take it more. But Tom, I'll tell you, he still has no feeling in his, in his feet. Mm-hmm. He has like some damage, some <laughs> yeah, nerve damage. So does um, Ian. I don't know. I probably could have went at least 16. I would think. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, Stephanie, and I and I believe you, and I actually believe you could, don't you, Rob? And I, I, I believe it. I'd bet on you. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Don't but bet against see, Stephanie. It, but it's easier for don't me to say now, me. of course. I, you know, <laughs> I'm home. I'm not starving. Yeah. But and Tom probably could have lasted too. Who am I kidding? All right, Stephanie. Would you rather do puzzles, strength, balance, or endurance challenges? What's your strong suit? Um, probably endurance. Right, that would be that would be the challenge we just talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, Seabird, there you have it. just a little taste, like a little taste of uh, filet mignon pizza from Gigi's <laughs> uh, for you of Stephanie Lagrosa, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's pretty much everything, Seabird. Yeah, Stephanie, what a standout player! And again, you know, Palau. What was number Palau number eighteen? On the, 18. On, the, on the recap? 18. Well, I'm a little yep. surprised it yep. wasn't even higher. I'm kind of like Lita. I know I think Lita said she had it as number one. 
I'm just glad it made it under 20. I'm surprised it maybe wasn't even a little higher up. I think this one, as time goes, I think yeah. this one is going to be, would, would even move up, you know, even higher. You mean, mean lower. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Higher, lower, however you're saying it. I, I hear what you're saying. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> T-Bird. All right. So I think that was pretty much it. Uh, we do have one more clip that we're going to do, but uh, that what we can do here in the real time that we weren't able to do in the original version of Talking with T-Bird is give you a disclaimer before uh, we, we hear from Katie Gallagher one more time. <laughs> Wait, am I, giving this, am I giving the disclaimer? Katie Gallagher... Yeah, you can give the disclaimer. You know what? You, you give it because you know exactly what needs to be said. Because I don't even yeah. know. I, I'm just shaking my head, thinking this Katie is hilarious. You go ahead. Katie Gallagher told a uh, inappropriate story of of something that ha- a traumatizing event that happened to her, and uh, that she was asked, "Was it Tom that said make sure you tell the tell the dog story?" Yes, Tom had. And and then she, she said, like, I can't tell the story. And um, I said, all right, well, we'll leave it at that. And I believe you said, <laughs> you have to tell it. Yeah. You can't not tell okay. it. Okay, yes. And she told Because it. I thought if Tom needed her to tell this story, this story needed to be told. Now, let me just make this clear. I had it no was. idea where the story was going because... You I, didn't know, know I did not know you the story. Know. Tom just said she you got to have her tell the story. And I know Katie Katie's the love of Katie's life is her dog, Mabel. You can look at her Instagram and you'll know that immediately right away. So I knew that it had something to do with a dog. So I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a very beautiful and yeah. as, as I described this season, a very heartwarming story. It was not. Well N- no, no. Well, Little, Little did we, did know. we know. Little did we know. So, yes. Okay. So, T-Bird, we set this up. We're going to give people a chance to turn off the podcast because I think that we should just, like, we shouldn't come back on after the story. So, we're, let's let's wrap up the podcast, and then the last thing you hear will be Katie's story. Uh, if you want to listen to Katie's whole interview, I highly recommend it. It ends also with then after we finished the interview, then Katie called back and we were talking to her on your cell phone. Remember that? Yes, yes, yes. And you're right. Yeah. So that was a wild interview. It was, and you're right. What else can be said after Katie's dog story that Tom Westman told me she had to tell and I encouraged? Nothing else needs to be said after that. I agree. Yeah. 100%. But let me go ahead and do this. Let me go ahead and do this. T Bird. Okay. Okay. Yes. All right. So you'll hear that after we close out the show. T-Bird, what do you have coming up these oh days? Oh, my gosh. So, so Rob, I'm back flying. I mean, I've been flying the last year, but I mean, I'm really back flying because, you know, Delta's not blocking the middle seat anymore. People are out and about for summer travel. It's crazy, hectic, but absolutely wonderful to see all these families traveling, to see their loved ones going on vacay. I love it. So, that's really what I'm doing because summer is so busy for us, especially this summer, which I'm so happy about. So that's what I've got going on right now. What do you have going on right now since you are moving to the south? Oh, T-Bird, just... Oh, well, I'm here. I'm here already. Uh, T-Bird, I'm just continuing to unpack 
going to start getting some of my stuff finally uh, getting here now uh, that we flew. Uh, unfortunately, we, we, were, we did not fly Delta, uh, we, yet we still got here. Great. And uh, now our stuff is going to start getting here soon. All right, so let me ask you this. I don't, I don't hear any kind of an accent, but is Dominic and Anthony and Nicole, they got that Southern thing, that Southern drawl going on yet? Yes, 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 they okay. all do. And so... It was overnight. Overnight is So happened. pretty soon I'm going to hear y'all. I'm going to hear y'all can... And the first thing I think we need to let Dominic and Anthony learn is momonium. After y'all, momonium. It's like, how's your momonium? Like dad? Like momonium is, is no, no, dad? No, it's an expression. How's, when somebody will say, how's your momonium? How's... You've not heard... It's like, how's your mom and no, him? it's actually like mom and them. Mom, how's your but? You, and then, mom and dad, like the whole you family. Say, hey, how's your mom and him? See, I didn't okay, even know. So we got yeah, You're gonna hear that, and then you're gonna hear a lot of you know when somebody tells a story, like maybe like Katie's story, and you don't really know what to say. You'll be like, oh, well, God bless her. You'll hear that a lot. That's a big southern. Thing. Yeah, T Bird. I I appreciate all this, but I I, I don't think you uh, like. Who am I talking to? I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't know anybody where I lived and I don't see anybody You're now. To. You're going to want to get out and about. I'm, I, oh, you yeah, think North I will? Is, you think yes, I will? It's okay. beautiful. Well, be it's cool. wonderful. Now, let me ask you this. Are the boys eating, Dominic and Anthony, are they eating grits yet? No, they, they eat the same thing that they ate in California. Chicken nuggets, pizza, or grilled right. cheese. Well, maybe we can move them into grits. Cornbread, fried chicken with some sweet tea. It's going to happen. Okay. It's going to happen. All right. We'll come to your house. We'll come to Perfect. your house, T-Bird. Perfect. That sounds good. All right. We'll plan the summer I road would, trip. Let us know when you're off I from work. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. T-Bird, we, we, we are going to start getting into some uh, all new editions of Talking with T-Bird uh, coming up soon in the next couple of weeks. So everybody uh, stay tuned for that. And then, of course, uh, I'm back to my full podcasting uh, slate now. So it's it's all happening, T Bird. Yes, we're glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you're back 100. percent And I'm looking forward to get back with you. I've missed you these last few weeks since we hadn't done done quite as much. Hey, hey, Rob, I gotta. It's been great I, to hear your voice I here have today. To ask yes, you this. and and I don't know if you want to actually give me the real answer or not. But are you glad, because I know this recap countdown of the top 40 has been so much work for you, especially in the middle of a move with your family. Are you glad, sure. are you glad you started this countdown? Um, I think that, uh, I have no second uh, thoughts. I have no regrets on doing it. It has been a lot of work, but I think it is what was needed to have been done during this time, this year of no survival. And I think it's been great, though. I know it's been a lot of work for you, um, but I think it's been great for the listeners or for listeners that are just coming in that maybe hadn't watched or listened to a lot of these seasons because they're learning so much about them. So. I'm glad you're doing it, and I know it's a lot of work. So thank you from all of us fans for doing it. We love you, Rob. Oh, T-Bird, thank you. Um, T-Bird, it's been great to catch up with you today. And again, uh, hide, the, hide the children. Uh, anybody who <laughs> is uh, may not be ready for it, you can turn off the podcast now. 
You do not need to hear our final piece from the Palau Trilogy box set with Katie Gallagher. T-Bird, take care, okay? God bless her. Yes, take care. Tell me the funny story about a dog named Buffett. Oh, my God. Are you serious? I'm serious. The dog named Buffett. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> are you kidding? I don't know if I can do this. Children listen to this. My nephews listen. Well, I mean, doesn't you, just matter. T- you just told the story about the final three the- immunity challenge. Yeah. Is it worse? Right. <laughs> yes, it's worse. Wow. It's worse. T-Bird, are you serious? Well, Rob, we can always edit, right? I guess so. I don't know the story. You, okay. you well, know more than I do, T-Bird. My sister told me not to tell this story until I really knew my audience mm-hmm. on Survivor, but it was one of the funniest stories and um, that I ever told my family. It was like the most embarrassing moment of my life that, that far. Um, I've had some more embarrassing moments, but that one really does take the cake. So... This happened to me. I was very ashamed of it. I didn't tell anybody. And then for whatever reason, right before Survivor, I told my sister and my dad, God rest his soul. Um, and my nephew was just born and he was in the stroller, so he didn't really hear it. But my dad was laughing so hard that like no sound was coming out of his mouth. And he was crying because it was just like something you don't tell your family. Anyway, so I told the story the first night. <laughs> On Survivor, yes, and which was not what my sister told me to do. She told me to wait, um, but I didn't. And wait I told until it, when? Until I knew my audience, okay. and I told it the first night, um, which I thought I knew my audience. You know, it was like twenty people in one shelter, but my audience was oh, like Tom before you and even Ian. went to, to <laughs> yeah to Karor. You, you okay? Yes, but Tom tells the story that you know he realized when I told that dirty story that he wanted me around because I told good stories, and you're never really going to get bored of this girl's going to continue with these terrible stories. Um, do I tell the story? It's, it seems like a lot. Yes, you got to tell it now. Okay, we got to hear it. Did My I mom, she she looks very distressed. <laughs> okay, whatever. If you're not comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Okay. So it's my 23rd birthday. My boyfriend got super drunk the night before my birthday, got wasted, passed out. We ended up sleeping in his gross, dirty apartment above this bar. I was in New Jersey. We were going to go to his brother's house in Connecticut um, for the weekend, on my birthday weekend, which is Memorial Day weekend. But I was so upset. I, I was going to break up with him, but I, I didn't want to do that because it's my birthday weekend. So the next morning, I was like, you know what? I'm not driving to Connecticut. You need to drive in your dirty car because we'd always take my car, which was like, over. I was just bitter. I didn't want to drive my car. I made him drive. I cried all night. So I was sleeping in the car on the way to Connecticut. I was passed out. We were on the parkway or whatever. And I wake up and the boyfriend is masturbating in the car. It's middle of the day on the parkway. And he's got this whole setup for it. He's got like, it's like American pie kind of thing. Like he's got like the napkins on one leg. And and he's driving? (laughs) Yep. He's got one hand here. He's got the napkins on one leg. Well, it was illegal emotionally mm-hmm. yeah. for me. So he's doing that and he's got his little napkins and the napkins are like those kind of little thin napkins that are like tissue paper that you get from like the bagel place, yeah. you know, and they're like stacked <laughs> up on his leg. And I look over and I'm like, ah, what are you doing? And he goes, shh, I was not part of whatever he was mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. And, it, and so I had to sit there and I'm like looking out the window and like a single tear is like streaming down my face. I'm waiting for him to finish. So he finishes and he makes this huge mess. 
all over the car and the napkins aren't enough and he's trying to clean it up and he reaches behind his seat and he gets this little sock, this dirty sock, his car was a mess and he uses that to clean everything up and I'm just still weeping and I'm hysterical and I'm deciding that I'm going to get really drunk all weekend and then I'm going to break up with him after, after I like ruin the weekend. Mm-hmm. So he puts <clears throat> the dirty sock in his side door um, and we get to his brother's house and his brother has a dog named Buffett who was a retriever and her favorite trick was to put something in her mouth and she would sing and the whole family would clap and yay Buffett. So um, the whole family is waiting in this big Victorian house on the porch and they're waiting for the the prodigy son to arrive and his girlfriend, me. And um, we get out of the car. He gets out of the car. Buffett comes running over and he's like, Buffett! Because we love that dog. And Buffett makes a straight beeline for that sock and takes that sock and runs around the yard. And the whole family's cheering, yay! And he's saying, no, Buffett, no! <laughs> he's chasing her around with the sock. And I laughed and fell to my knees. And we broke up that weekend. <laughs> Think that's okay, so, so... T-Bird, T- are, are you okay? All right, follow-up note here. No, actually, Rob, I did not know the story. Mm-hmm. You know, oh I, like to, I, I like to, <laughs> I like to research, which Rob knows, Katie. I like to research by following up with people that know you. And oh so someone told me, but don't tell them I told you. Now I should have realized that that should have been my first sign to ask her to tell the funny story about a dog named Buffett. That's, that's all I that's knew, Tom. and I mm-hmm. and I trusted I trusted this person, and so th- there you go. Okay, should it, I it don't even Tom. know? Should we do it? Mm-hmm. It was Tom. I cannot give out my resources. It's one hundred percent Tom. I know it. You don't need to confirm or deny. Well, I know. Well, now I know why he didn't forget that story. It's may, that, that once you hear it, you will, uh, that we'll all remember it for the rest of our lives too. I hope that ex-boyfriend isn't following me anywhere. I'm going to put that in my biography, but I've now just given a little tease yeah. to the stories of my life. <laughs> I thought you knew, so I told the story, but Check out his that's LinkedIn. probably not appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, but, but as the story was progressing, I was thinking, uh-oh, this, this is going in a different direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know, I cannot... Mm-hmm. Why don't I just say no? Why didn't I just say no? It's not appropriate. Like now I'm sweating and I feel uncomfortable and I apologize to everyone. And Rob, please edit that out. Thanks. (laughs) I prodded you. I was pushing you to tell the story. 